Welcome back to the JW Nixon High School Class of 1992 podcast. I'm your host, Missy Barrientos. This episode's guest is Jessica Palacios. Jessica is an Associate Director for Human Resources at the Texas A&M University System in College Station. I have known Jessica since middle school, and even though our lives took separate paths, we somehow ended up working at the same university many years ago. Now, I must apologize in advance for some technical issues I was having with my internet connection. And then I ran into some other computer issues. So please bear with, and we hope to have those cleaned up and fixed up by the next episode. So apologies in advance to Jessica and to all of our listeners. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. It was in San Antonio with the oh, fans. Nice. So that was good. And I'm praying to God to, that the dogs don't bark. Jessica, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Look, I've been looking forward to this interview just because <laughs> I mean, I've known you for so long, but still there's things that we don't know about each other. So this should be fun. I was hoping to be one of the last ones, but it's okay. <laughs> well, I was holding can, out. <laughs> well, we'll end the year with it. How's that? Or sort of. We'll, that sounds good. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get started and go back to high school. Mm-hmm. What were you like as a teenager? Very compliant. <laughs> you know, my parents instilled the fear of God and the fear of them and me. (laughs) And so I was a pretty, I think I was a pretty compliant uh, child. You know, I, I tried to do good in school and try to get perfect attendance and um, tried not to, you know, give my parents anything to worry about. A good girl. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I remember you were in uh, color guard in our freshman year. Mm -hmm. And, but yeah, you were just, I mean, yeah, I was kind of a jack of all trades. Once I got to high school, you know, I had done cheerleading for so long from like kinder, you know, through the eighth grade. And then when I got to high school, I wanted to do something different. I was in the honors program, so I didn't really have um, a lot of room in my schedule to be creative. And so I was in a lot of clubs and yeah, I did color guard uh, only my freshman year. <laughs> After I hit myself on the head with the pole, it, you know, in the heat of the summer, you'll remember those practices where I almost passed out and the band director wanted me back in line. And I remember the band moms were like, she can't, she probably has a concussion. Like she just can't go back out there, you know? And after that, I was like, okay, I think I'm done with band. I think I joined it thinking like, oh, it's a cool way to go to the out-of-town football games and, you know, be social. And, and it was. And I remember us performing at the Cotton Bowl at the State Fair. I mean, not the actual Cotton Bowl, but in the stadium for a competition and all of that. And all of that was really, really fun. So 
um, I did enjoy my one year uh, in the band with Color Guard. <laughs> what do you think your classmates thought of you? You know, I don't know. I don't know what they thought of me. Um, I think I was kind of really quiet in high school. I was kind of, a, I don't know. I always thought of myself as like a wallflower. I've, I've always been a big observer of people. I like to people watch even now. I still like to do that. And so I had a lot of, I guess, friends, acquaintances, friends, you know, from uh, different areas of campus. Cause you know, our campus was very clicky and, you know, you had people in the, you know, at the wall and then on the backside of the wall and, you know, over by band and the art club and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so I think I had a, a mix of people because of all the things I was trying to do in high school and all the different clubs that I was in. So I don't know. I mean, I, I hope people thought that I was nice, but yeah, I just try to kind of, I tried to keep my head down and tried to stay out of trouble. Well, as you said, yeah, I remember you being quiet, not necessarily so much quiet in class. Like you always had something to say if we were discussing something, but we were also in debate together. I yes. remember that. That was fun. And yeah, that was fun. Those, those trips were fun too. Yeah, I did a lot. I did, you know, I was in video club. I was in FFA my senior year. Uh, I had a project for the fair. I had a lamb. Um, I competed in UIL. Uh, I did UIL for accounting and keyboarding. Uh, they called it keyboarding, but it was basically typing class. So I competed in typing <laughs> and accounting. And then, of course, debate. But yeah, it was an honor society and a bunch of different things. Yeah, I think quitting band freed you up to do a lot of things. <laughs> yes, I, I was quite busy. Uh, I, I really didn't have time to do like student council or whatever class it was, like senior class, junior class. You know, I always had um, college on the brain from a very, very, very early age. And I knew I needed to, you know, be a well-rounded individual when it came time to do my college applications and things of that nature. And so I think that's probably why I probably did a lot of the things that I did and joined a lot of the clubs that I joined was because I was just trying to kind of you know, figure out what, you know, what was I going to do when I got out of school? What, you know, what things piqued my interest and, and, you know, really what, what was going to look good on my college application? <laughs> well, I think you were onto something because I mean, high school is the best time to try different things. And I told my son the same thing. I said, do whatever you want. So just try everything. So I, yeah, I was a little envious that I was in band and I didn't get to try to so many things, but you know, but you know, band is so great. You know, I, I wish I could play a musical instrument and I can't, you still can. Uh, I could, I suppose I could still take it up in at my age, but <laughs> yeah, learning, me, learning how to read music was never a strong suit of mine. I tried it in uh, middle school when I had music class and I just couldn't grasp it for some reason. Well, okay. So let's go back to high school. Who did you hang out with? I hung out with Becky Espinola. She's been my best friend since we were about five. 
did you all have any special hangouts or favorite hangouts? No, we pretty much hung out on the backside of the wall. We weren't really popular. <laughs> and so, you know, I was busy in my honors classes and, and Becky was busy with her classes. And if you remember, you know, uh, Nixon had the cosmetology program. And so she was in the cosmetology program. So that took up a lot of her time. And so really a lot of the time that we could spend together was either like before school or if we had the same lunch period or, you know, a little bit after school before all my meetings started for all my clubs that I was in. And so we kind of hung out on the backside of the wall and we would watch, you know, like Leonard and Rick, Solis and that little group, you know, kind of play hacky sack and stuff back there. And then I had a lot of friends from class of 93, Ernie Flores and, you know, Roger Villa and those folks. Actually, no, I think Roger was gone by then already. I forget when Roger left, if he left before high school or after, but kind of Ernie Flores and you know, some of those folks, because Ernie was also in debate, you know, with us, and he was my partner for cross-examination debate. So there was a lot of 93 people that hung on on the backside. And just, you know, I, I think the back, the front side of the wall was, you know, where all the popular people were, you know, the, the cheerleaders and the Golden Spurs and everybody who's in sports and, you know, all that fun stuff. And then you had the back side of the wall who were just everybody else who's just kind of hanging out. Right. And so it was, I always thought that that side of the wall was always like a, a nice roundabout group of just different eclectic people. And so, so yeah, we just hung out on that side and people watched a lot. <laughs> and you mentioned at the start of our interview that you were a good girl. Did you ever skip class or you know, act I, out? You know, I not act out, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I did skip. I can probably count on one hand how many times I probably skipped. It was maybe two or three, something like that. When I tell you I had the fear of God in me, I mean, I did with my parents. Um, my parents were very strict that if they ever caught us doing anything we weren't supposed to be doing, you know, that we would get in trouble. And then two, you know, my uncle was uh, Mr. Moreno. Sammy Moreno was the vice principal at Nixon and also very good friends with my dad. So I really didn't have the liberty (laughs) to get in a lot of trouble or try not to get in a lot of trouble. So yeah, so it was very few and far between. And two, because I liked perfect attendance and I just didn't want to mess that up. So it was very few and far between. Did you have an after school or weekend job? No, I didn't have time. I was in too many clubs. So right after school, I'd start running to all my club meetings and I would end up at school until about five or after five when my mom would pick me up um, after she got out of work. And then it was straight home to do homework and whatever chores we had to do at home. What are some of your favorite moments from high school? Hanging out with Becky, I guess. That was, I mean, me and Becky hung out a lot together. That that was kind of what we did. I, I didn't do a lot of a lot, <laughs> unfortunately. So yeah, it was always kind of tricky and not really a lot of time to do a lot of other things. Sounds like you were just very academic. I was. I was very concerned about my grades all the time and wanted to be sure that 
I, you know, like I said, I was trying to position myself for college. I was just always very driven scholastically. Are there any memories from high school that kind of make you groan or you wish you could do over? I don't know if there's anything that makes me groan per se. When I was listening to Alma's podcast, she mentioned me and she says, you know, Jessica's probably not going to remember the incident that I'm talking about. And I actually do remember the incident that she was talking about. And I believe it, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's, it's the one that took place kind of in front of the office. But prior to that, there was an incident prior to that incident that I think escalated what happened on that day. And the incident prior to the one that Alma witnessed, you know, there was a girl, we had become friends, not super good friends, but friends. And we had some sort of falling out. I still don't even remember how the falling out happened or why. But at some point, I remember her running up to me and saying, you know, people are saying you're saying things about me. And, and I really wasn't. But you know how high school is. You know, the rumor mills run wild. And, and she says, well, people say, you know, you're, you're calling me this. And I said, well, no, I, I didn't call you that. But now that you're in front of me, I, that's what I think you are. You know, and that was not one of my proudest moments, you know, to say the least. She was being very mean to me, but that didn't mean I needed to be mean back. You know, but at the same time, I was kind of in a, like a fight or flight mode. And I was like, well, I'm just going to stand my ground and, you know, I'm just not going to let anybody push me around. And that kind of came out of my mouth. And in retrospect, that's not really who I was at the time. And so I kind of regretted that. And then ultimately it, it ended up escalating into what I believe is what Alma was talking about that she witnessed. You know, and at that point, I, I did kind of comport myself a little bit better, <laughs> despite well, being pushed. I think she missed the part where I was actually pushed and uh, they had put their hands on me. Um, and I was with Becky, of course. And yeah, you know, it just stuff like that happens. But, you know, I should have handled it better. I knew I knew how to handle it better. And I didn't. Well, I think also, I mean, when you're a teenager, I mean, even as an adult, if someone is quiet, especially, I mean, back then it's like, you know, yeah. <laughs> like everyone assumes you're a snob and you think you're better than everyone because you're quiet and you don't talk. Right. And I can see how that would have escalated into something else. Yeah. I mean, my, you know, my parents and my grandparents taught me better than that. And so looking back in, in retrospect, yeah, that was not one of my proudest moments, I have to say. Is there anything you wish you had done while you were in high school? You know, I, I mean, no, because I kind of did a lot. I, I, I kind of, I think I did everything I wanted to do in high school. Okay, that's fair. Who were the cool kids our senior year? Like who were the cool kids that everybody thought who were the cool kids or who did I think was cool? What did you <laughs> think me? was cool? Well, the people I thought were cool were the people who probably everybody else didn't think were cool. But, um, you know, like I said, I had a lot of different kinds of friends. You know, I was in the honors program. So I had um, the opportunity to kind of be in class with people that I had been in class with since junior high, you know, mm -hmm. 
in the gifted and talented program, but people I thought were cool. Like I thought you were really cool. I thought Leonard Cease was really cool because he was just so smart, you know, and just kind of on a different level than everybody else. And I always enjoyed listening to him talk no matter what he was talking about. Marisela Rangel, you know, I didn't know her very well. Um, she was also, to me, very quiet. Um, but I was always very fascinated with her. She was so smart, you know, just so intelligent. And I was just always very fascinated by her. Same thing with Diana Ruiz. I remember Diana Ruiz was always very focused and was adamant, you know, she was going to become a doctor. And I just thought that was so cool to have kind of that conviction at that age to know what you were going to do. And so there's a lot of people that, you know, the guys in the back of my class in Spanish, um, I don't remember their names, but they were very cool to me. Um, I thought they were very nice to me. I was very nice to them. And so, yeah, I mean, I just thought other people were really cool. I thought my friend Becky was really cool because she was learning how to do hair and makeup. And uh, that is cool. She could do my hair and makeup when I needed it. <laughs> so that was always a plus. But yeah, I mean, Lara Valdez, I really enjoyed talking to her. She was also in debate. I thought you were really cool. I thought some of my friends in band were really cool. Um, Thank you. Just because I, did, I didn't have any kind of musical talent. I'll percussion. It wasn't very <laughs> much of a musical talent. You're playing the xylophone. That, that's, a, that's a lot of keys or whatever <laughs> they're called. So yeah, so I, I, my perception of cool is probably different than what other people thought were cool. But those are the people who I thought were cool to me. Now, what about teachers? Did you have any favorite teachers? I did. I had several favorite teachers. Um, Mrs. Magnon, the biology teacher. Um, I think I was more scared of her at report card time than I was my parents. She always wanted to see my report card. Um, and that was a little bit unnerving. I thought Mrs. Mitchell, she was also one of my favorites. Mrs. Lopez, my freshman English and lit teacher. Miss Chavez, my algebra teacher, uh, Mrs. Hardy, my accounting teacher, and I can't remember the uh, typing teacher's name, but I also liked her a lot. Yeah, I think somebody else mentioned the typing teacher. I can't remember her name at the moment. I, her name is I can I can picture her with her little bob, you know, her little bob haircut, um, and she her class was right next to Miss Hardy's class, and I just I her name escapes me. Well, and Mr. Gonzalez, the geometry and trigonometry teacher. Oh, yeah. I the trigonometry him. and elementary analysis teacher. Um, I really liked him. He did sit-ups in our class. <laughs> he didn't do that in my class. Um, oh, and Mr. Garza, the FFA teacher, and Mr. Miller, the art teacher. Those were some of my favorite teachers. I'm surprised you remember so many. Oh, yeah. I remember, all, I remember a lot of my teachers, even all the way back to elementary school. <laughs> Did you have any classes that you thought were hard? Anything that was science. Mr. Wilkins chemistry class. I honest to God, don't know how I made it out of that class. Cause I don't even, I have, I have a very hard time with science. Biology was fine. Chemistry was not. I was so happy. I only needed two years of science. Duh. I'm pretty sure I copied the whole uh, chemistry oh. class. Yeah, or, I, he, I or he felt sorry for me and just gave me a C. I don't know, but I, I don't know how I made it out of that class. Yeah, I copied from Rick. <laughs> Full disclosure. <laughs> Chemistry I copied from Rick. 
I might have copied from Fernando Ortega, class of 93. <laughs> Pretty sure, because he sat behind me. What was your favorite kind of music back then? Oh, you know, like my friends, <laughs> I was kind of all over the place. <laughs> I liked country. I liked rock. I liked pop, you know, top 40 kind of type stuff. I also liked old stuff. My older sister is four years older than me. So I was usually listening to anything she was listening to. And then my uncle, my mother's youngest brother is very into music. And he had us listening to all sorts of things from like the Who, the Rolling Stones, like the Beatles. So we had a kind of this exposure to music that probably the average person wouldn't have. My secret favorite kind of music is doo-wop. I'm a very old soul when it comes to some kinds of music. <laughs> Did you have any TV shows or movies or books that you were into senior year or high school that you remember? Probably not books because I didn't, I didn't pick up reading recreationally until after I got out of college, <laughs> but movies, you know, I don't remember. I remember going to see The Little Mermaid like my freshman year at the movies. I loved Star Wars, but we didn't have any Star Wars that came out back then. Or maybe they did. I don't know. But I love the Star Wars movies and like E.T. and stuff like that. And yeah, but books, no. Now I do. You can see behind me, I've got my little bookshelf back there going. Unless I was required to read, I did not read. Well, do you have a book recommendation for us now? It's on the fictional side. I really got fascinated with the Crazy Rich Asians. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a three book series. I really love those books. But my favorite, favorite, favorite book, and actually I read this one in high school um, as part of a requirement for a class, and it's still my favorite, and I read it at least once a year, um, is The Great Gatsby. So maybe we could start a book club after our podcast. Yeah. I said, I'm very big into fiction. Do you have any Laredo words or phrases that you still use? I do hashtag Laredo proud a lot if I'm on social media, but if I'm talking like on occasion, like, like no manches or like no mames will like come out of my mouth. If I'm back home, uh, I don't use it so much where I live now, <laughs> but if I'm talking to friends, like old friends and stuff, they'll creep their way out. Do you have anything from high school? that is a cherished memento. I have my FFA jacket from my senior year and it still fits me. It still looks brand new. Um, I have my Letterman debate sweater because I did letter in debate. I don't have my yearbook because I lent it out to somebody and never got it back. Like years after high school, somebody wanted to borrow it and I lent it to them and then I never got it back. And uh, I still have my memory book. And in my memory book, I have a bunch of stuff. So like there's ribbons, there's newspaper clippings, pictures. I mean, you name it. I have it in the memory book. Who from high school do you, are you most interested in finding out about? You know, I had to think about that one because I was like, you know, there's a lot of people that I'm connected to on social media, people that I just kind of stayed in touch with on and off over the years. And then other people I connected with when we were doing the reunion for the 25th reunion. But really, I, I would love to hear from Maricela Rangel, 
just because I've always been super fascinated with her. I know she's an attorney now in Laredo and I have her on Facebook. So I kind of know what she's been doing now. She's very involved with Rotary and things like that. But I want to know what she's been doing all this time. Like what happened after high school? Like, I don't want to say like she vanished. I'm I'm sure she probably went off to college and she's like did all these amazing things. But I'd really be interested to hear from her. Brian Novoa, our golfer. (laughs) I've seen him off and on throughout the years and I run into him periodically, uh, but haven't seen him in several years, uh, several, several years. I think the last time I saw him, he was probably with Lalo or somebody. So I'd like to see if he's still golfing or still trying to golf or what's he doing? You know, is he making money off of that or what? Our artist, Alex Chapa, I just recently connected with him on Instagram and I believe I have convinced him to interview so I'm looking forward to interviewing him and seeing what he's been up to. I mean, I've, I've seen his Instagram and he's still producing some amazing works of art. And I'm super excited to see what he's been doing all these years. Debbie Gonzalez would be somebody good. We were kind of friendly. I remember going to her house and hanging out a bit. And then after high school, just poof, some people just like poofed. Um, and Liz, Liz, uh, well, now she's Liz Lind uh, Gutierrez. She was a Golden Spur. Uh, we were friends back then. And I have connected with her recently on social media. And so I'd like to know what she's been doing all this time. I know what she's doing now, but I'd like to know what she's been doing all this time. What did you do after graduation? Did you get a job? Well, I didn't get married. I think everybody knows I didn't get married. I haven't been married, never got married. Um, but I actually went straight to college. I think if I remember correctly... Our graduation was on a Thursday, I believe. And I was in college that Monday at Laredo Community College. Well, Laredo Junior College back then. Right. And now it's just Laredo College. What did you study? Initially, it was just general studies. I was waiting to get into the nursing program. And then I got into the nursing program that fall. So what was that like? What was it like going to college right after graduation? You know, it was just an extension of what I was already doing. I mean, I guess because I had it in my mind for so long. I mean, I pretty much knew since about, so my Head Start teacher and my first grade teacher were the same lady, Mrs. Trevino, which is Vidal Trevino's wife, the, the gentleman that used to be the superintendent of LISD. And she was my teacher those two years. And so I can't remember what year it was because I was with her twice was when my interest in college was peaked because she was talking to us about college at that young of an age. So I knew since then that that was something I wanted to do and needed to do. So for me, it wasn't anything different. It was just kind of like, okay, I'm still going to class, but I'm kind of responsible for myself. You're going to make your own schedule. You got to make sure to get there on time. I still didn't have a car by then. So my mom had to drop me off. So I was still getting picked up after five. So a lot didn't change schedule wise (laughs) from high school because my mom was still dropping me off and my mom was still picking me up. Uh, Sometimes my shout out to moms. Yeah. And my grandparents, my grandparents helped a lot and would pick us up sometimes. Um, And that didn't change. Eventually I got a car, you know, a semester or two in, but Yeah. I mean, it was just, I I had an objective and I was looking to try to knock out that objective as quickly as I could and didn't realize it was going to take 10 years, but 
eventually I finished. Talk to us about that. What did you do after starting college? What, uh, what were your twenties like? College. <laughs> I was still in college. Well, you know, it's, so I went through a lot of different, um, degree changes or, uh, you know, discipline changes, if you will. I was going to be a nurse. I was in the nursing program at LCC to be a registered nurse. And that, that was my goal. If you look at my memory book, my memory book says I'm going to be a nurse. My mother's a licensed vocational nurse. And so I wanted to be a nurse and help people. Um, I remember working at the pharmacy at Mercy and you were getting a tour around a rotation. Doing my rotations. Like, like, oh my God. I'm like, I feel like such a loser just because already in the nursing program because I told my mother and I would not hear the end of it. And of course there was a coworker. He's like, Hey, who's your friend? I'm like, she's focused. She's studying. Let her work. Let her do what she's doing. That's funny. So, yeah. So I, I, I always knew I wanted to do something that helped people. And I thought that, well, my mom's a nurse and she helps people and, you know, she helps a lot of people and, you know, I could be a nurse. And so, you know, I did get into the program. I was in the program for a year. Um, I think I needed two more semesters to finish. And I had a bad experience with a patient. I felt that the patient had been neglected by the nurses and I wanted to file a complaint or at least register my concerns. I asked my faculty member to come and look at the patient and she, she denied it. Um, and she basically said, worry about it when you're a real nurse, like go back to your patient. I said, but you need to come see her. Like, I don't even know what to do with her. And she was just like, no. And at the time, the, the nursing program at LCC was kind of going through an upheaval. I, I believe if memory serves me correctly, the dean had been fired or was going to be fired. The program was in jeopardy. Um, so there was a lot of turmoil happening in the program. And so I remember coming home that day and telling my mom about it. And I was just in tears. I was crying because all I could think of was what if that was my grandmother and that's how they were treating my grandmother. What if that was my mother? Like, that's just unacceptable. And I told my mom that I was going to finish the semester, but I didn't think I was going to go back because I in good conscience could not come out of a program that condoned that kind of care And I felt by staying in the program and graduating, I was kind of not validating the program, but like putting my stamp of approval on it because I stayed. And I didn't want my name affiliated with a program that was kind of, you know, condoning that. And so I left. I left the nursing program and I completely shifted gears to business. I was going to be an accountant. Um, I transferred to Texas A&M University in College Station, which is where I live now. I was in the School of Business. And after one semester <laughs> in accounting, I was like, no, thank you. Um, I actually withdrew from the class because um, the teacher was quite prejudiced. It was a very small class. It was upper level accounting. I had already done my first two accountings at LCC. Um, so after I got out of the nursing school, I stayed at LCC another year and did basics and all of that before I transferred. And yeah, I had heard that she might be kind of prejudiced and she was actually the department chair. So I knew I was going to have to deal with her for some time. 
And, and I remember she was giving us back our first test. And again, perfect attendance. I went to every class, sat in the same seat in the front row, asked questions and all that kind of stuff. And she was returning exams and, you know, gave out all the exams and didn't give me my exam. And I went up and I said, excuse me, I didn't get my exam back. And she says, and you are, you know, I felt like I was in that SNL skit, you know, and I was like, uh, Jessica Palacios, I sit right there in the front row. <laughs> she was like, oh, here you go. And then she's like, does anybody know what happened to so-and-so? And she was asking about this girl that had dropped after the first class and she sat next to me <laughs> that one class. And I, I believe I was the only Hispanic in the class at the time. And there might've been one other person that was also a minority and everybody else was not a minority. And that was just kind of the nature of A&M at the time there, you know, they weren't, they were getting diversified through affirmative action. And I'm pretty sure that's probably why I got in, but, you know, I ultimately ended up switching majors several times. And then after about four years, I came back because I couldn't afford to be at AM anymore. Took a year off, started working, and then decided I was never going to make it back to the main campus. And I enrolled at Tammy U, got into the business school there, and that's where I finished. So it took me 10 years to get my bachelor's, but you know, I did it on my own. Um, that was one of the things when I graduated high school that my parents were like, if you're going to go to college, you know, we didn't really save for you all to do that. You know, there was five of us in very close succession to each other. So, you know, they're like, you're, you're going to have to kind of pay for it on your own. And so I worked a lot while I was in college working and going to school and all of that stuff. And so it, it wore on me while I was at A&M and it started to affect my grades. And ultimately I just had to come back because I just couldn't afford to be here. Um, I had to be realistic. I couldn't afford the tuition and every living expenses and everything. And so I went back home and then I ultimately finished there. But I can tell you some of the classes I took at AM International in the business school were harder than anything I ever took at Mays at AM, <laughs> probably due to the smaller class size. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like I tell my son, I said, it's not a race. You right. Do- you work at it on your own pace. And I mean, all the pressure that we put on ourselves, it, it it's hard. I mean, it's, it's kind of manageable when you're in your twenties, but as you get a little bit older, it's. Yes. And I thought about tough. doing my master's and I'm, I'm still mulling over whether or not to do that or not. Uh, my sister did her bachelor's and then went straight into her MBA program and she finished like right away. And she's like, that's how you should have done it. And I'm like, yeah, no, I needed a break. I had been at it for 10 years. Like I needed a break. So, but not lately I've been thinking about going back for my master's in human resources, which is what I do now. And I'm still helping people. So I ended up, you know, thankful to the, you know, Dr. Jackie Mayfield at A&M International. She helped me figure out. Yeah. The Mayfields are amazing. She's the one that actually helped me figure out that human resources is probably where I needed to be based on all of the things that I was interested in. And as someone who worked at the same university you did, you were the most helpful human resources (laughs) person. So Jessica will help you. 
Jessica will find it. Jessica will know. Yeah. I take a lot of pride in, in what I do. Human resources is, is a field that affects individuals, not only at work, but at home, you know, we affect their paychecks, we affect their benefits. And I'm a huge advocate for empowering employees to learn about their rights and their benefits and, you know, kind of understand what your employer has to offer and and everything that they make available to you. A lot of people don't always understand that, especially when you work for a company that does have such a robust benefit package as the A&M system does. And so I'm, I'm very fortunate to work for the A&M system. So let's go back again. What were your thirties like then you returned to Laredo, graduated from college? Thirties. Well, yeah, cause I graduated when I was 30, I had turned 30 and then I graduated. I was, well, I was already working at, at A&M international by that part. And I was already in the human resources office before I ever graduated. So I just kind of kept working. I worked a lot. This incessant need to help people still was with me. And so I did a lot of community service stuff. I did March of Dimes, American Heart Association, Habitat for Humanity. I helped out with the Rio Grande International Study Center with their fundraising. You name it, I probably had my toe in it at some point in time. You know, I I helped my friend Cristobal Rodriguez, he started the EAT organization and I helped him when he was forming it several years ago. Tell us a little about that. EAT is the emergency assistance team um, and it's there in Laredo. It's a nonprofit. It's a 501c3. And so one of the reasons he brought me on is because I had a lot of experience with 501c3s and fundraising for 501c3s with having done March of Dimes and the Alumni Association and, you know, American Heart Association and things like that. And that came about, um, so anybody who was living in Laredo at the time or might have known, and it was around this time, several years ago, when the incident at the food stamp office happened, where there was a mother who was in need, and she um, barricaded herself with her children in the food stamp office and took some of the food stamp office employees, you know, she was holding them hostage. Um, She eventually let some of them go and she killed herself and she killed her children in the food stamp office. And Cristobal was quite shaken up about that for some time that there should never be anybody who is that desperate for help to try to feed their children. And so He started this organization and and I was one of the many people that he called upon to help him with that. And so every year we fundraise or they fundraise because I'm not there now, um, but I still try to help as much as I can from where I'm at. And we raise money and every year we provide a full Thanksgiving meal to families in need and one week's worth of staple food items. Um, The families are nominated by counselors at the school. So we work with the school districts to help for them to help us identify families who might need the help. And yeah, we've been doing it for several years now and we've helped thousands of families in the Laredo area. And on occasion, we have helped families outside of the Thanksgiving cycle when we've heard of people either through the news or people that contact us that, hey, there's this lady or there's this family that I know, they don't have anything, their house burned down or whatever the case may be. And you know, he'll show up with a gift card or something, you know, to help the family kind of get back on their feet 
And so, yeah. And so I'm super proud of that. That's one of the things that we've started from the ground up and it, it still continues. And Cristobal is very passionate about that program. And he continues that program uh, today, almost, you know, with several of the original um, board members that started it. And if anyone wants to donate, where can they donate? Um, well, you can find them uh, on Facebook, Emergency Assistance Team. Uh, you can reach out to Cristobal uh, at Unico Real Estate there on McPherson. Um, and we're happy to take, or they can reach out to me and I'll tell them how to make a donation. So we accept donations year round and every single dollar goes back to the families. There's, we don't really have a lot of overhead expenses. Uh, we try to make sure that everything's, everything goes back to the people that need it. And I can tell you after the first year that we did it, I, I was like, I'm on logistics. Like I can't, you know, we, they had to go out and deliver to some people because they couldn't make it. I mean, there was literally a family that they delivered to that was living in a horse stable. Like they were in the stable, like they were in a stable, not like the full stable, like one stable. That's where the family was living. My goodness. And they had kids that were in school and they were so excited to get the turkey that they were going to cook it the old, like the old way in the ground. So they were going to dig it and put it in the ground. And when they came back and told me that story, I'm like, I'm not doing deliveries. Like I'm staying on logistics. I can't, I will cry at every drop off. Like I can't do that. The past two years with COVID got a little bit tricky with being in contact with people. So what they did was they did um, HB gift cards and HB has been a huge partner with us, um, that's where we purchase all our stuff, all our turkeys, pies, rolls, staples. We buy everything from HEB. And so all that money ends up staying in Laredo per se. And what have you been up to in the past 10 years? The past 10 years? Well, the past five years, a little bit over five years, I've been here in the Bryan College Station area. I moved up here to take a job with the Hanem system. Prior to that, I was still in Laredo. A lot of my time probably outside of work has been, you know, dedicated to, you know, my family, my parents, my sisters, my brothers, um, my grandparents when they were still living. Um, we provided a lot of care for my grandparents. And so that usually took up a lot of any free time that I had outside of my charitable work that I was doing. And so when I moved up here, it was a very big decision to come up here because my grandparents were still alive. My mom's parents were still alive. And so it was a, it was a family decision for me to take the opportunity, the job opportunity that I had, but I was still going home. You know, they passed a few years ago, very close to one another, about five weeks apart. And so that was very difficult for us. It was difficult for me because I was so far away, but, uh, but I knew they were proud of me and I knew that, you know, everything was going to be okay. And, you know, I still have one grandparent that's living, my grandmother, who runs uh, her restaurant, Los Jacales, there in Laredo. And she's still very uh, involved, even though she's retired. She still signs the checks <laughs> and that keeps her going. And I tell her like, grandma, you need to rest. And she's like, if I stop moving, I'm going to die. <laughs> so she spends a lot of her time still involved with the business and taking care of my uncle who has a lot of needs. And so, yeah, so a lot of my free time nowadays is to my dogs or, you know, my parents and stuff. So, yeah. 
and their names are? Uh, Lola and Poppy. They're rescue dogs. Adopt, don't shop. That's my plug. Go ahead. (laughs) Yes, adopt, don't shop. If we had asked 18-year-old Jessica what you would be doing 30 years later, what would she have said? Uh, I would have been a pediatric registered nurse working at St. Jude Children's Hospital. I still have the dream of working for St. Jude's. That's that's the one in Memphis, right? Uh, I don't know where it's at, but it's it's the one where, you know, children and family, they don't have to pay for anything. That's right. For children who have cancer. So that's still my dream. So I may retire from the A&M system and then go get an HR job. at. No, don't, don't retire. (laughs) Well, I still have a ways to retire. I I think I can retire with full benefits. I don't know if it's at 54 or 57. I think it's 54. You can't retire from the state until I do. (laughs) I've been working for the state a long time. Um, But yeah, that's what I would have said. It's what it's what's in my memory book. I can picture it clearly in my memory book that I was, I wanted to be a, a pediatric nurse working for St. Jude. That was my, my goal in life. What are your top three memories after high school? My top three memories after high school? Yes. So Oof. in the past 30 years. Let me think. Anytime I got to spend with my grandparents, uh, my mother's parents, when my oldest niece was born, um, I have four of them now, uh, but when my, she was the first one. So the first one's always like, oh, you know, and probably when I graduated with my bachelor's. Other than me, obviously, who else from high school are you still in touch with on a regular basis? Do I stay in touch with other people from high school? Mm-hmm. Like besides you? <laughs> yeah, it's not related to work either. <laughs> well, I stay in touch with you, um, which I enjoy very much. Uh, Becky, of course, we're still BFFs. I mean, I could go a year without talking to Becky and I meet up with her and it's like time has not passed. Lalo and Tano, I see them on occasion. Who else do I see pretty regularly or that I, uh, Sylvia Arredondo, you know, through Facebook and all that, you know, the thing is with social media, there's a lot easier ways to stay connected with people. Cisco Sanchez. I've talked to him on occasion and it's funny because he went to A&M. I didn't know he had come to A&M. So when I came to A&M, I didn't know anybody because I transferred Um, so I was here by myself and I remember one day I was just walking through campus and there was Cisco in his full, uh, A&M core gear. And I was like, Cisco, is that you? And, and that was, I think the only time I ran into him the whole time I was at A&M, uh, but he was there, but we've reconnected since then. Um, and he's doing great things as well. Um, he's a professor, I believe at, um, Mizzou, if I'm not mistaken, Sara Melendez, uh, you know, I've seen her on occasion. We worked out at the gym a couple of times. Uh, I've seen Rick Solis at the gym when I'm in Laredo. So yeah, I think just with social media, it's easier to stay connected with a lot of people. But 
if I would say like people that I'm talking to or texting or anything like that would probably be you, Becky, uh, Sylvia, um, usually when something's coming up or she's organizing something. Yeah. Sorry about the dogs. (laughs) Well, I have to say that I will always remember you telling me that you recognized my handwriting, my penmanship from the envelope. And I, you know, I was where I was at the time they were doing a bunch of layoffs and I, I really needed this job. And I thought, Oh my goodness, thank goodness for Jessica (laughs) and her memory. And I don't know. I mean, obviously I was qualified, but, but I thought, I don't know if it gave me the extra push or the nudge or what, but I was eternally grateful for that because yeah. Yeah, I did. I do you. remember. I remember your penman. You had very, very good penmanship and a very unique penmanship. See, that's a lot of, that's a thing a lot of people don't, when I say like, I'm super observant about things, I'm really observant about things. Um, I may not be good with people's names a lot of the times, but I'll know your face. I'll recognize your voice. I'll recognize your handwriting or how you write, even in an email, just how you you know, how you conceptualize emails and how you write in emails and things like that. I'm just kind of observant about those kinds of things. It's odd. I know. I don't know why, but that's just how my brain. I, I think that's the human part of human resource. You know, I hope you know, so. <laughs> I, I think I really it is. I hope so. Uh, one of my experiences there at Tammy was with another person and she always said, it's on the website. It's on the website. I'm like, oh, I checked. Believe me, I did no. not want to call you. I don't want to say that that's a knack that I've always had. I remember when I was here in college at, at A&M, I was working at the Scott and White Clinic and I was in the family medicine department. So we had, about, I don't know how many family medicine doctors plus dermatology, occupational medicine and the drug testing clinic. All the, those patients checked in where we were at, like my desk, you know, and there was like two checking people or four checking people, depending on the day. And I worked there for about a year and I started memorizing patients. Like I knew who patients were. I knew their names. I knew their kids. I knew their spouses. Like, and so when they would come up, I'd be like, oh, hello, so-and-so before they would even tell me what their name was, you know? And they were like, how did you do that? Like, and I was like, well, and even though I'm bad with names, but when I've seen things repeatedly, like if there's a repetition to it, then eventually it kind of sticks in my mind. But if I've met you at an event, And then I don't see you again for like months and months on end. And I meet you at a different event. Like I'll remember meeting you, but I probably won't remember your name because it's too far apart. And so, yeah. And so the patients really appreciated that when I worked at the clinic um, and they would bring me all kinds of gifts. You know, um, I remember at like an ostrich Easter egg one time, they'd bring me little knickknacks for my computer because I used to keep like these little things around my computer. And they were super appreciative of that. And so I think that's just something I've always had in me is one, I, I always try to make sure I pronounce somebody's name correctly because, you know, people are very, you know, they have a lot of pride in their name. And when you say their name wrong, you know, for some people, that's a huge pet peeve if you can't say their name right. And so a lot of the times I would try to practice, I would always be sure to ask, like, can you please tell me how you say your name? Cause I want to make sure that I pronounce it correctly. And that was huge, especially working in academia when you're dealing with faculty that you're recruiting from all over the world. And two, you know, you are recruiting from all over the world and they're coming to you and they don't know anybody here. <laughs> they, I mean, 
they, they might be bringing their spouse with them and their kids, but they don't really know anybody. And so trying to make sure that they felt welcomed and that they had a resource in the HR office that could help them. And I would always tell them, like, you don't have to come to me just if it's HR related. Like, if you have a question about the school districts, like the private schools, what neighborhood to live in, like, just ask me. I'll give you any kind of information you want to know. And when they were in the recruiting phase before they actually extended the offer, I remember some of the department chairs would say, like, well, if you have anybody that's on the fence and they're coming to campus for an on-campus interview, schedule them with Jessica. Like she can sell ice to the Eskimos. In other words, like she could sell Laredo to anybody and make it sound like it's the most fabulous place to live. And it is. And I think Laredo has grown so much over the years, you know, not only physically in, you know, housing and development and all of that, but I think just culturally um, and what's happening around town. And, you know, I think the, the university and the community college have a big, contribution with that, with what they have available on campus through speaker series and plays and performances and all of that. And I think just what's kind of happening culturally, you know, in the restaurant industry and things of that nature. Um, I think there's a lot of great things happening in Laredo. And, you know, I'm, I'm bummed all the time that I'm not there. I mean, I miss the food. I miss the people. Definitely my family, of course, but, you know, yeah, I, I think it's a great place to live and work. And, and I still believe that. Well, as I said, I was very grateful for you for recognizing my handwriting and, and, you know, that personal touch really does go a long way. It I mean, does. I mean, when it, like you said, when it comes to uprooting your family and mm-hmm. moving, it's a big deal. It's very personal. I mean, I, I take what I do very seriously and very personal you know, I take a lot of pride in what I do and how I handle myself and how I deal with employees and the service that I provide as an HR professional. And I'm happy when people see that and when they appreciate it, because you're there in the good times working in HR and you're there in the bad times. Like I was there in the good times when, you know, you got the job and we were all excited and you were there. And, you know, I wish I could have been that your HR person in the bad time, you know, when Richard passed, because you know, I've seen it all. I've, I've celebrated wedding, you know, I've celebrated marriages and babies, but I've also been the person that's been there when someone has died, whether expectedly or unexpectedly. And, you know, leading the family through things like that, it's, you know, I take that very seriously. Yeah. Which is, which could be a a completely different episode because I mean, what do you do? I mean, if you've never experienced that or helped anybody through that, you're just clueless. But as I said, it's a topic for another, another episode. Another day. <laughs> another day, exactly. Which is why you cannot retire from the state ever. <laughs> okay, um, I'll, just, I'll just die at my desk. <laughs> yes, yes, please. With your phone. Okay. What has been your journey so far? And what have you learned about yourself? My journey so far? Well, you know, that's... that's that, you know, it's a good question. I don't really know what my journey has been so far. I'm a workaholic. I can tell you that for the longest time, I have put my education and my career first um, because I knew that's what, what, what I needed to succeed in life. You know, I, I, I had certain ideals and about what success meant in various forms. 
you know, being able to buy my own home, that was a level of success to me that I wanted to reach. And, and so I've been very school and career driven for a very, very long time. And a lot of other things have gone to the wayside, like getting married or having children or, you know, things of that nature. And so, and I'm still very career driven. (laughs) I have a lot of goals. I have a lot of aspirations and I, I don't want things getting in my way of that. And that is, that sounds a little bit selfish. It does, but I just, you know, I know what I'm capable of and I don't think I've reached my maximum potential, if you will. Um, But, you know, my family comes first, even though I am very career driven, you know, my family does, you know, play a huge role in my life. There's not many decisions that I make in my life that are important that, I don't run past the family, (laughs) you know, my mom, my dad, my sister, um, particularly my younger sister, not that, you know, my older sister or my brothers don't have any say in it, but you know, my younger sister, she's the closest probably to me. And I value her opinion immensely. Um, she's very objective, you know, I've just kind of worked, I've worked and tried to work my way up within the A&M system you know, I love working for the AM system. I love going to school within the AM system and graduating within the AM system. And so, you know, I've 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 done things professionally where I've studied to get certified in what I do. So I'm a, you know, I'm sort of I'm double certified in human resources. I take that very seriously. I hold on to those certifications for dear life. Um, it's the equivalent of an accountant having their CPA in my industry. And so um, I take a lot of pride in that. I learned a long time ago from my parents and my grandparents that you have to serve the community that serves you. In other, you know, in other words, you, you have to give back to the community that has raised you. And I think that's why for the longest time I was heavily involved in community service when I was in Laredo. Um, because I am a huge proponent of, you know, giving back to the community that has given so much to me. You know, my parents have given me a lot, yes, but you're ultimately your community also does too. And so it was always very important to me to be doing something in community service, no matter how ragged I was running myself and being stretched too thin between too many organizations, but it was important to me. It's important to me to give back. You know, I, I give back to scholarship funds. I give back, you know, to Tammy U. I donate to AM. You know, I donate where I can because I, I, you know, I know what the value of an education can bring to somebody, especially somebody who comes from Laredo, who maybe is going to be a first generation student, you know, in their family. And so, you know, I think my journey has just been to me to try to be as successful as I can be, to be able to give back as much as I can and to help others, you know, reach their potential like I have, you know, and and to fulfill their dreams. And, you know, I'm fortunate. I get to, you know, I get to do what I want to do (laughs) when I want to do it. I get to travel when I want to travel and have experiences and things of that nature. Um, I get to spend time with friends and and family and, and, and I find a lot of value in all of that. I wish I was still as involved in community service as I was in Laredo. I just quite haven't found my niche here in the Bryan College Stationery. It's definitely a little bit different. 
but you know, eventually we'll get there. Maybe I'll be back in Laredo in a couple of years, who knows? And then I'll be back at it again. But, um, but yeah, I just, my, I think my journey has been education, working hard and giving back. Now, this next question is going to seem a little odd because, well, it says, if you have children, are there anything like you? But I'm going to ask you, are your dogs, <laughs> my dogs are my anything? Children. <laughs> and I claim my right. dogs on my tax return. And I claim my nieces and nephews on my you're, tax return. Because my, <laughs> my bank account accounting. I have children. <laughs> my bank account thinks I have children. <laughs> I don't, I don't miss. Well, yeah. But what's the question? Uh, do your children, are your children anything like you? So are your dogs anything like you? Yes. They're crazy. In what way? <laughs> they are crazy. They are hyper, just like me. Even though I'm quiet, and I'm still kind of quiet, actually. If you put me in a room full of a bunch of people that I don't know, I will latch on to the only person I do know, like for the entire night. <laughs> I, I don't do good in social. I'm an introverted extrovert, is what I call myself, because I can be quite extroverted, as many people know me to be when I'm in my element, right? When I'm not in my element, I am extremely introverted. And so that's just something I, for the longest time I've been trying to work on, but I just can't, but yes, my dogs are like me. Um, they're a hot mess. Uh, they're hyper. People often ask me like, how is it that you don't drink any caffeine products, but you have as much energy as you do, like where you're just like, go, go, go all day at work. And I'm like, cause I love what I do. I don't know what to tell you. Um, and I drink a lot of water, stay hydrated, but yeah, they're kind of crazy. They have a lot of attitude, uh, a lot of side eye. Yeah. They're definitely like me. Definitely. <laughs> so far on your journey, who's had the biggest impact on your life? Hmm. Well, there's probably been several people, my parents, of course. Um, uh, you know, they have instilled in me um, character and hard work, how to comport yourself. Know that you're always representing yourself, your family, and your employer in whatever it is that you're doing. And so that's always in the back of my mind. <laughs> Make sure I'm not doing anything that's going to like embarrass anybody. My grandparents on my mother's side, they showed me this unconditional love for another person that I didn't know really existed or just existed in the movies, you know? And so their love and dedication and devotion to each other, you know, for over 65 years is a testament. You know, my grandfather served in three wars. He was deployed several times. He's retired from the army. So they had a lot of challenges and they still stuck by each other and they loved each other immensely until the end. We always knew when one passed, the other one wouldn't be far behind. And it took five weeks before the second one passed. Uh, my grandmother on my dad's side, my grandfather died when I was three and my grandmother was young. She still had young children. She had 10 children, my father being the oldest. So some of them were already out of the house, but she still had younger teenagers at home. And she had a business that she had to figure out how to run. <laughs> to stay afloat because that was their only source of income. And so, um, you know, determination, hard work, resiliency, um, I think is what I got from her. 
my grandparents on my mom's side, along with my parents, you know, um, your commitment to your community and giving back. That was huge with my, with my parents and my grandparents on my mom's side. Mrs. Magnon, believe it or not, the biology teacher, I think I got a D in her class one, six weeks and never again, Lord, she, she read me the riot act. Let me tell you that six weeks. And she was so disappointed in me and, and I didn't quite understand it at the time, but I think it's because she saw potential in me that I had not seen in myself at that age. And she, she expected better from me. Um, which is why I had to show her my report card every six weeks after that. And I loved her. I mean, I, when she passed, I cried when I heard she passed away. I mean, I cried. She was such a strong woman and so dedicated to her family and her son, you know, who had been ill for so many years and she was right there for him, you know, every step of the way and never gave up on him. And that, that was amazing to me. And I think those are probably my sister, my younger sister. I have, you know, four siblings, two sisters and two brothers, but my younger sister, she, she, she's just special. <laughs> she's special to me. She means a lot to me. I mean, they all do, don't get me wrong, but I'm closer to her probably than the others and her ability to, you know, just kind of overcome any situation. And, and I learn a lot from her, you know, I've, I've grown up a lot watching her, <laughs> Um, when it probably should be the other way around, even though I've always been fairly responsible, but there's just things that I, I, to this day, I continue to learn every day from her. And I'm just so amazed with just how incredibly intelligent she is, um, and how giving she is with her friends. You know, she's just always there no matter what the drop of a hat, she's there for her friends. And I am too, but you know, she just, she has this commitment to her friends that I find very admiring about her. Have you experienced any difficulties since graduation from high school and how did you overcome them? Probably the most difficult things I've encountered were when me and my sister were in a car accident, my younger sister, uh, we were hit by a drunk driver almost head on. She was almost paralyzed kind of working through that. Um, I had immense guilt. I was the one that was driving, um, but they hit us, but nonetheless, I was the one that was driving. So I held a, you know, I felt guilty for a very long time, you know, about that. And she, you know, she came out the other side of it and, you know, she wasn't paralyzed, but, you know, she still has, you know, her back still gives her some issues and stuff like that. So just kind of, learning from that and, and just learning to be more aware at that age and understanding, you know, drinking and driving and all of that. And I think that incident played a lot into when I came to A&M, I turned 21 when I was here in school, my first semester. And I still remember just still not wanting to really drink that much. Um, and so I always volunteered to be the designated driver, you know, this is pre Uber <laughs> and Lyft. And so I always volunteered to be the designated driver um, just because I always had this fear. The second thing was probably when my uh, best friend died, Chris Cooper, he was a friend I met here at AM. We had been friends for over 15 years at the time of his death. 
um, and he was killed by a young girl. She was 18 and she was texting and driving. She died and he died. Um, he died instantly. She died instantly. His wife was severely injured, uh, but she survived. And that was devastating to me. That, that, that put me in a, in a very, very dark place for a very, very long time. It was probably over a year where I was still going to work. You know, I was kind of like, fake it till you make it. I would get up, I would go to work. I would go to, I'd do my work and then I would come home, you know, and then I would just be in my room. Like I didn't go out. People would be constantly calling me to let's, you know, just go out. Let's just go out and have dinner. And I just didn't want to do anything for about a year. And so that took me a while to kind of get over um, and kind of to come out of that. Probably I was probably in a depression at that point when that happened, because I was literally just talking to him like a day or two before that. And so it was just, we talked every day in some way, shape or form. We communicated every day, whether it was through instant messenger or email or texting or phone calls, we communicated every single day. And so that was a huge loss for me and still is. I, I still have a lot of difficulty when I talk about him. And then probably my grandparents passing, you know, five weeks um, from each other. Even, I mean, my grandpa was 100. My grandma was 98. They lived a full life. But even at that, we weren't ready to let them go. And so that was a huge void for a long time. And so, yeah, those are probably the three things that, Aside from like, you know, the births of my nieces and nephews, of course, those are all positive, but that probably had the biggest impact. Those are probably the three things. Well, then what are the biggest joys in your life and how do you treasure that? The biggest joys are my family, uh, my nieces and nephews. You know, my oldest niece is 20. My youngest nephew is just about to be two. <laughs> and then we run the gamut in between. There's one in high school and then one in junior high and then the baby. And so, you know, I love them with all my heart. Uh, we try to support them as much as we can and whatever it is that they do and whatever it is that they're interested in, you know, spending time with my family. Now that I'm up here in college station, I don't get to see them quite as much, but when I do, it's, it is a joy to be able to spend time with them, even if it's just hanging out, watching TVs or having a carne asada, you know, <laughs> um, my dogs, my two dogs, my, my name, you know, my sister's dog and Laredo. And then we all have dogs. My brother has a dog. My niece has two dogs and cats and I don't do cats, but I'll do the dogs. And so, um, I enjoy that. And then the time I get to spend with friends. So when I'm in Laredo, my time is usually very limited because I'm only there like one or two days before I have to come back. And so I try to squeeze in as much as I can, um, having lunch with friends. And sometimes I have to group my friends that aren't from the same friend groups, but I'm like, Hey, this is the time I'm available. Y'all can come to lunch or not or brunch or whatever. This is where I'm going to be. And this is what time I'm going to be there. And, you know, I try to stay connected, you know, through that. And, um, you know, I've had some friends who have lost parents, you know, we're coming of that age. Um, I think something else, you know, when GC Zapata passed, you know, that was very difficult for me. You know, I knew her. I, I, I didn't know her as the best friend, but I knew her and she knew me in, in ways that other people didn't know me. You know, she was the she was the mammogram tech at Doctors Hospital. So she was the only person that did my mammogram. She was the person that did, you know, the mammograms when they found a lump, you know, 
when I had found a lump, you know, she made me feel very at ease when I had to kind of go in to get that mammogram to figure out what was going on and stuff. And so um, when she passed, that was really difficult for me um, when that happened. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just life, you know, but I get a lot of joy from a lot of things, you know, reading and, but mainly spending time with family and getting to spend time with friends. That's what I really treasure the most. So what's in store for the next 10 or 20 years? Oh, I hope retirement in the next 10 years. No, no <laughs> retirement. I'm pretty sure I'm eligible like soon. <laughs> no. You know, maybe a master's program. You know, I'm still thinking about that. I've been thinking about it a little bit more probably the past several months or so. Because um, AM has launched a new program uh, for working professionals, which I'm very, very interested in traveling. There's a lot of places I still want to go. I hope COVID is over sooner rather than later because it's messing up my travel plans. I had to cancel my trip to the Bahamas because literally everything shut down like the month before I was supposed to go. Um, so I wasn't happy about that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's made me get out of my comfort zone to travel. So I traveled to West Texas two summers ago to be in the middle of nowhere where there was no COVID and no people. And that was exciting. I went with one of my friends. And so we did some hikes and things out in nature that I probably wouldn't have done otherwise because I'm more of an air conditioned by the pool kind of person and not out getting dirty and grungy. So that was fun. Um, and I also did Tahoe this past summer. Had, it, had the fires not been there, we probably would have done more outdoorsy stuff. But we got two good hikes in. Almost killed myself on an electric bike. Uh, that I still can't believe I got on. Uh, when my friend said, do you know how to ride a bike? I was like, sure. But I thought it was a regular bike, not an electric bike. I literally almost killed myself on that thing. But I, I was, I kept telling myself, like, you're not going to say no to anything. Just you, these are going to be experiences in your life and you need to embrace them. So, you know, I'd love to be able to get back to being able to travel. I enjoy traveling. Um, I have a couple of friends that I've traveled with before that I love traveling with. And I love traveling with my younger sister. So we like to have adventures. Uh, you know, we love going to DC and uh, Vegas and things like that. And so um, there's still a lot of the US that I haven't seen that I would love to see. Well, Roger said that South Dakota is beautiful in the summer. So I've made a note of that. And well, that's good to know. I want to go to Montana. Montana is another place that I want to go to um, as well. I mean, there's a lot of places I want to go to. So, but there's so many places in the U.S. that I haven't been to. Like going abroad is like, yeah, that's great. Uh, but there's still so much here. Like there's so much to see here. Why do you want to go abroad? Like there's so much to do and see in the States. What is one thing about you that no one else would ever guess? Hmm. That I'm the introverted extrovert. <laughs> Probably. That's I don't, a good one. That I, you know, I secretly love Harry Styles. I don't know. <laughs> but who doesn't, right? I mean, I love his music. What can I say? Do you do like any old people things? Old people things, yes. Uh, I don't like things that are too loud. Like music that's too loud. I don't like bad drivers. I don't like slow drivers, like people are driving too slow, get on my nerves, like drive the speed limit at least. 
I wear bifocals. So these are bifocals. Well, progressives, bifocals. Progressives, yes. So I'm already doing that. And I can honestly say that probably by 10 o'clock, I'm already falling asleep. Well, let's, let's wrap this up soon here. Cause yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling it too. Um, when see. I used to stay up to like, even on a work night, like 12 or one in the morning, I'd still be up watching Crazy. TV, doing stuff, doing laundry or whatever. And then I'd go to sleep and I'm up by six to do it all over again. But these days, I don't know if it's, you know, the medication that I'm on, cause I'm dealing with some health issues again, getting old. I, and I don't know if it's the medications that they have me on that make me want to go to sleep early, but like by 10 o'clock, I'm asleep in the chair watching TV. <laughs> That's happened to me. I'll try to stay up for the news and I fall asleep, but here yeah. it gets dark really early. So yeah. Where you're that. at. Yeah. Even, I mean, it gets dark early here too, but yeah, even more so where you're at. It. Yeah, it's for sure. What would you tell your younger self back in August, 1991? as you started your senior year? And then what would you tell yourself at graduation? Hmm. It's not that bad. You're going to make it through. And at graduation, are you sure you really want to be a nurse? That's that's valid. Reconsider that, that college career that you've been thinking about as a nursing student. What do you miss the most about the nineties and what don't you miss about the nineties? That's a good question. I don't think I miss the fashion of the nineties. Although I do miss my patchwork guest jeans that I used to love. See, I'm more, I like the eighties way better. So I would have been like, I miss the music. I miss this. I miss that. Um, the nineties was just kind of like the grunge era and I just wasn't into the grunge music that much. I definitely miss not having any worries. Being a high school student, not having bills, not having a mortgage. All you had to do was get good grades and pass your classes and stay out of trouble. I can hear here. 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 Have you visited the Nixon campus, the new one? And what did you think of it? I have not. I have wanted to go on a tour. And I thought for sure when we did our 20 year, our 25 year reunion that they would have year, whatever one we did <laughs> that they would have like invited us to like the pep rally or like, or like our class to do something. And we didn't get any of that, which I thought was super odd, but no, I haven't been to the, I drive by it all the time going to my grandma's house or, or my aunt's house. Cause they still live kind of in the Heights area, but I haven't been on like on the, my aunt works there. I have um, cousins, their kids go there and stuff, uh, but I have not been on the campus yet. You have an opinion of it. I like the open air concept better than the enclosed building. <laughs> But I do like, you know, that they brought the Vidal um, Magnet School over from downtown, although where they had it in downtown and those historic buildings was also nice. But I'm sad to see that the FFA horticulture class has a very small plot, but they do have a greenhouse to do their stuff. Although I felt like we had a bigger little farm when we did it. I think the tennis courts look nice because those always, those needed an upgrade. Those were in dire straits, let's be honest. 
but yeah, I like the open air concept of moving building to building more yeah, so than, than everything enclosed within one building personally. What advice do you have for the class of 2022? Ooh, don't mess up your credit. (laughs) I mean, a lot of kids do that when they go to school, like don't mess up your credit. If you're going to college, make sure to do all your financial aid paperwork. If you're going to take a loan as part of your financial aid, only take what you need for school. Don't take anything more because then you'll be paying it back forever. And, you know, just dream big. You know, anything is possible. You know, you might think today that there's, you have a certain career path and that, you know, your trajectory might change into something else. You just have to kind of welcome those changes sometimes and know that everything happens for a reason. Who do you want to give a shout out to? Uh, I want to give a shout out to my friend, Becky Espinola Hughes. Now she's Hughes. She still lives in Laredo. Uh, I think I've convinced her to do this podcast. So uh, shout out to her and then shout out to my cousin, Lisa Sanchez, who lives out in uh, Odin, Indiana uh, with her husband, uh, who I'm still convincing to do this podcast. And so, so yeah, I want to tell them hi. And I agree, Lisa, we need to hear from more band members. I'm, I'm working on that. <laughs> okay. So you're making a mixtape, curate mm. a playlist for the class of 1992. Does it have to be music from 92? No, just for the class of 92. Uh, for the class of 92. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mana Me Vale. My sister loves that song. I think that's like her anthem. Probably anything by The Cure. George Strait. I love George Strait back then. Brooks and Dunn. Neon Moon. I loved Neon Moon back then. Tiffany and Debbie Gibson. That's my contribution. Uh, now on to more lighter things. What was the last TV show you binged watched? Ooh, binged? Mm-hmm. Mm. I'd have to go check my Netflix thing, but that I binge. It might have been Never Have I Ever, probably the second season. Because I think I did that after I did Bridgerton. Yeah, it had to have been Never Have I Ever, I think. It's pretty funny. Okay. What's your favorite movie from the 90s? The Little Mermaid. What's a I don't know if that came out in 89 or 90, but I remember I saw it my freshman year at the movies well, and it's still okay. one of my favorite movies of all time. What is a fad from the nineties that you still think is cool? I know you said that you weren't much of a fan. My guess. Oh, patch guess. Jeans, I wish those made, would make a comeback. Those were great. What and is your in the front and a patch in the back? What is your current favorite beverage? Water. Uh, Do you have a signature dish that you cook or something that you bake? Ooh, well, I do bake a lot. So if anybody follows me on Facebook, they know I bake at the holidays. So at Thanksgiving, although I didn't bake this year, but Thanksgiving, I usually bake a pumpkin pie and a apple pie, apple cranberry pie, I'm sorry. And then at Christmas, I make, a slew of cookies. Like I'm a baking machine when it comes to Christmas. And 
I've got a, like about six or eight cookies that I usually make at Christmas time that I usually bundle and gift to people. You've had my cookies before. What do you yes. think? Yes. I, I, I thought that was great. I, as a matter of fact, it came up on my Facebook memory a while back. <laughs> Yeah, we oh, had we a cookie, cookie swap. swap. That yes, was so much fun. Yes. Yeah. So I do like a cranberry cream cheese snickerdoodle. Yeah. I have caramel thumbprints, chocolate chip cookies that are like the Keebler uh, chewy soft uh, cookies. Uh, and the trick to that is cream cheese. Um, so they say soft. What else do I do? I don't know. It's like six or eight cookies. I keep adding cookies every year when I find new recipes that I like. Um, so cookies and pies, and then I make a mean lasagna. Do you prefer flying or road trips? Depends where I'm going. Okay. How far it is because I have limits. I drove to West Texas because you can't really fly into Terlingua. So you kind of had to drive there and we were staying in the middle of nowhere. So you needed a car, but typically if it's anything more than like five or six hours, I'm flying. Yeah. Cause you drive uh, from college station to Laredo, Laredo. five hours. Yeah. And so from here to Terlingua, I forget, I think it was like nine hours, um, wow. but I was alternating with my friend Selena. So it wasn't that bad, but if, I could see myself doing a road trip. Like if we were going somewhere and we were doing stops along the way, like maybe going to like Nashville or Memphis or something, you know, something like that, where there's other things to see along the way. I wouldn't mind doing that kind of a road trip, but it, like to say like, Oh, let's take a road trip. Cause we're going to Disney world. Uh, no, I'll take a plane. Thank you. And I'll wait for the magic bus to pick me up. Although they discontinued that. I'm very sad about it. I don't know about the magic bus. <laughs> they would pick you up at the airport. You oh. literally land at the airport. You don't even pick up your luggage. You just go straight to the Disney bus. By the time you check in at your hotel room, your luggage is there. It's magic. That is magic. But they did away with the buses or they're doing away with the buses. And oh, that's I'm super terrible. Mad about that. Yeah, that's, I'm super that, mad. Now you have to figure out your way to get to the park and I'm super mad about that. I would pay a premium for that. That's what I said. I said, well, that's what I think. Maybe they're going to bring it back, but charge you for it. And I would still pay for it. Pineapple on pizza. Yes or no? N negative. That's just sacrilegious. What tape or CD do you still have that you play the most? Well, I still have a lot of them. A lot of CDs, almost all my CDs. The car I have now doesn't have a CD player. I didn't I'm realize sorry. they weren't putting CD players in the cars anymore. And I've had this one since uh, April. But prior to that, that car did have a CD player. And I was probably playing on rotation, probably like three, di four different ones. So either anything by Adele. Duh. Of course. Um, Leon Bridges, who's like my new obsession. Brooks and Dunn. The CD that has Neon Moon, that might be the title of, of the CD. And uh, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Well, that's all for me. Do you have anything else that you want to tell us? You know, I don't think so. I, I have thoroughly enjoyed listening to everybody's interviews and everybody has been so interesting and have done such magical and wonderful things with their lives. And I feel like 
mine is not going to be that exciting, but you know, I'm happy I did it. (laughs) I said, you made a difference in my life. My, me and my family, my family and I, we appreciate it. Well, I'm glad I'm, I'm happy to do that. So, yeah. So I'm looking forward to kind of hearing what everyone else has been up to. I think this has been a really neat idea and, you know, thank you so much for suggesting it. And I look forward to doing the interviews that I'm going to be doing soon and, and others that are to come. So I would just say if, if there's anybody out there that's listening from the class that is still on the fence about doing the interview, you know, don't be scared. Um, it's, it's, it's very simple. Uh, you know, we, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from everybody. And if you want to interview somebody, then, Hey, let us know, you know, we're, we're taking volunteers for interviewers too. So yes, Melissa, Matt, and I don't have to be the only ones, uh, (laughs) interviewing people. I'm sure, you know, there may be somebody that you want to interview that you're interested in um, learning about. So I know I've got a few people on my list that I'm interested in, particularly one, just having them being interviewed, but two, I want to do their interviews. So I hope they're amenable to that and they're open to that. And so, so yeah, we'll see, but this has been really fun and I look forward to listening to everyone else that comes after me. Me too. Thanks again for doing this. And especially such short notice. And oh, no, thanks for having me. It was great talking to you and chatting with you and catching up and finding out all about you. I uh, said, thank you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening and putting up with my limited technical skills and my limited internet connection. Please subscribe or follow so you won't miss our next episode. We have another one before the end of the year. And then we'll start up again in January.